What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100-GAMBLER and visit rg-help.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. We have finally made it the last show of the 2021 football season. This is the Super Bowl edition. The one game left, all the chips are left on the table here. Got two teams battling for all the glory. One gets it, one goes home with their tail tucked between their legs. It's either going to be a Ram with his tail tucked or a Bengal with his tail tucked. Mr. House. I'm so happy to be doing this show with you, the last one of the year. Let me just ask you right off the top, who do you think is going to walk home with their tail tucked between their legs? Well, Sharpie, I will get there, but I just okay. want to tell you this is a bittersweet moment for you, for, for me. I don't know if it's bittersweet for you. It's definitely bittersweet for me. I always enjoy, I look so forward to our Friday conversations. I've greatly enjoyed the rise and fall, the contraction and and uh, expansion of my wallet over the course of this season. I'm pleased to report <laughs> that my wallet right at the moment is is spread out across, you know, the entire Super Bowl universe, but primarily on sides and totals because that's been our bread and butter all, all season yep. long. It's what I've enjoyed. Now, the prop market, obviously. Um, is so rich and and congratulations to everybody participating in the market. We have done it. The prop market right now is as mature as it's ever been in the history of of football betting, uh, in, including you know a full two weeks worth really of opportunity. Uh, and we talked on last week's show about watching for new opportunities arrive in that market. Now I am prepared to talk about tales between. Legs. Now, you know from last week's show that I put in some protection. I've been, I didn't, I made a bully bet. I didn't want Joe Burrow to punch me in the face and take my lunch anymore. So I went ahead and, and, and genuflected. I took the Bengals number. I had four and a half. I had four and then it bumped up to four and a half. So I grabbed it again. My bully bet protection is in place. Now, having had the benefit of a full week's worth of research, of analytics, of punditry, of speculation, conjecture, and um, entertainment, I am on the Rams. And this is one of those deals where as you size up the various uh, facets of, of, of what these teams bring to bear, the strongest unit across the board is the Rams defense. And I think the history of the Super Bowl has taught us that the stronger defensive unit, if a team comes in with a dominant defense, then, then that team tends to win the Super Bowl. 
And the one that that came to mind, and I didn't have a chance to sit down and and you know I don't have a database like you, Sharp. Uh, so I'm I'm on the Google machine. But the game that kind of jumped out at me as a potential script for this. Now it was a blowout, but um, especially in the first half was Seattle Denver, where Denver came into that was Peyton Manning at at the top of his Peyton Manning powers. That Denver offense came in firing on all cylinders. They looked unstoppable. And the Seattle defense had quietly been punching teams in the mouth. Not so quietly. They were top of the league in DVOA. But when the two got into the ring together, Denver could not believe two things. They couldn't believe how fast Seattle was or how physical Seattle was. And it took Denver out of everything it wanted to do right away. I feel like that is in play for this game. And that's kind of the informing thread uh, for, for how I'm approaching this. Um, but the, the bets that I have are both money line and spread bets on the Rams. And I'm putting them with that under everything that I heard over the, over the course of the week favored that, that under, I love that first half under, I'm still on that first half under, I have 23 and a half. So if you pair up just a regular straight parlay of the Rams minus four and first half under 23 and a half, that's a plus 260 bet. If you pair up the Rams money line with under 23 and a half in the first half, that's plus 189. I'm on both of those. That's how I'm getting down this Super Bowl. Okay. Let me let me let me talk through a couple of things there. Number one, I totally agree with you. This show has been a blast to do all year long. A lot of fun. And most of all, thank you to all the people that are listening to this show because we do this for you guys and the feedback that we get in terms of subs and playbacks. I mean, the thing is rising up the charts. We're really thankful for all of your support from that respect. And, you know, some of the DMs that we're getting, like, we love you guys too. We love you guys too. Secondly, about the defense house, and you mentioned that Seahawks-Broncos Super Bowl. I don't quite know that it's going to be to that extent because this Seahawks, this uh, Bengals offense isn't anywhere comparable to that Denver Broncos offense at the time, that Denver Broncos offense, like you said, was like elite. Like that was one of the most fun offenses in the NFL where Peyton Manning was setting records. Literally Um, this offense, like I just, I just want to go through like the last couple of games that they have played 27 points against the chiefs in overtime, 19 points against the Titans and 26 points against the Raiders, right? Like we're not talking about elite, teams that they're facing off against here. And then if you want to talk about, you know, past defenses, who they've gone up against, who has Joe Burrow gone up against and have, and has had success against. And like I said, they scored 19 points against the Tennessee Titans. We throw out the game. They scored 16 against the Cleveland Browns uh, in week 18. Cause that doesn't count 41 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Boom. Their best score against any defense that ranks above average against the pass. Prior to that, was it 22 points against the Packers, 24 points against the Steelers, and 20 points against the Chicago Bears in week two. Any of the defenses that employ some of the Vic Fangio style of defense, this team has struggled against. Solak was talking about that on our Wednesday show. Uh, This offense has struggled to go up against those defenses. So, I mean, a lot of people have these expectations. I I just don't get, this is one thing I don't get, House. I want to talk to you about this, okay? I truly believe that there is this notion that, like, people want to move Joe Burrow to where Tom Brady is right now, like he's already there, to where Peyton Manning was right now, like he's already there. Like, they are crap. I'm not saying he couldn't get there, okay? But Everybody in the media for the last two weeks is crowning Joe Burrow as if he is this elite quarterback who has experienced it all and weathered every storm and is this consummate professional who's done it for years and has Super Bowls under his belt. I mean, I am hearing people talking about he is the single best quarterback in the NFL today. I'm hearing people talk about like, and 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 it's it's without debate. I'm hearing people talk about the fact that if this team wins a Super Bowl, they're a dynasty, just like the New England Patriots dynasty 
of, you know, the early to mid 2000s. Like, I just think it's insane what we are expecting. Like, Joe Burrow may win this Super Bowl. He may upset the Rams. I would be shocked if he puts up ridiculously gaudy numbers here. Okay, if he wins this game and they play well and he does a good job, like, of course, like we're going to keep accolades on him. But right now, everybody's just talking about him as if like he is this guy that we haven't seen in the NFL do this at any point in time since like Tom Brady. And I just think it's way, way, way too early for that. And I think we're getting far ahead of ourselves with what we're expecting out of this Bengals offense against, like you said, a very good Rams defense that ranks top five against the run and the pass. So I think there are three things going on here. One, um, everybody has to have a take, right? We're in this, this uh, digital media moment where you have to have the, the, the top uh, of the line, the, the most uh, hyperbolic take possible out there just to have your voice sort of break through and, and for the clip to make it into the, the Twitter timeline. So that's for sure. one thing, I mean, I, I don't, who said that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback? Like that, that's, that's insane. I want to look up that person and, and, and you know, make sure that, that I can uh, definitely send you some, some, some names offline. I'll, I will enjoy hate following <laughs> them. It will, it will bring me great pleasure. But I also think one of the things that's going on here is the, the reaction of the sports viewing public here in, in these United States to, to try and make sense out of these upsets by the Bengals, right? Because these Bengals are doing literally unprecedented things for that franchise. They they beat Las Vegas in the first round. Okay, that's fine. But then they went on the road and won their very first ever road playoff game. And then they went on the road again and won their very first ever AFC championship game. And we can't easily yeah, uh, put our our thumb on exactly what it is that that's happening there. What is the explanation for why these Bengals, these underdog Bengals, uh, Bengals, a one hundred and fifty to one shot to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season, a four win team? Well, it has to be the beautiful color quarterback. And 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 that reminds me. A quick aside. I, I can't believe nobody's made this reference, or if they have, it hasn't hit my ears yet. Nobody is talking about. Joe Burrow channeling color me bad. Do you know color me bad? Sharpie? Yes. You familiar with yes. the color? Yes. Yes. Ooh, the, 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 the glasses, the hair, the swag, like no, I, I, I just, I need the side by side. Come on, Twitter, put it, put it <laughs> together. He it's, he could easily have joined Justin Timberlake and, uh, Andy Samberg for for Dick in the Box. They maybe they, they need to bring that back. He's already he's already rocking that look. That is his look. Uh, in any event, uh, but he's got that kind of charisma. This is the point. And the third aspect to this, to me, is we have seen Burrow do extraordinary things on the national stage in under under the most uh, intense kind of pressure in the in the college game. And so it it doesn't feel that extraordinary to take what our minds are, I just saw out of him in terms of that run to the national championship with a lot of these dudes, right? With with guys that he's playing with, uh, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl and saying he's ready. He's ready for this stage. He's ready for this moment. Num- numbers be damned. You know, there, there's a narrative. America loves a great quarterback. And so I think that th- those are the reasons I think we're in this spot. Yeah, I mean, I shared on the Wednesday show just to just to just to recap, but Joe Burrow has played one top 10 pass defense so far this season. And if you look at like Tom Brady, when he was in the division round, he had played nine. Josh Allen, Jimmy G had played eight apiece. Matthew Stafford, seven. All these quarterbacks have been tested this season and this Bengals pass offense really has not. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have. But that was just one of the things. The big takeaway, obviously, being out in Los Angeles, the big takeaway that I was hearing and and what I was seeing and people commenting on so far this week simply has been Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. He's better than Stafford. He's the best quarterback in this game. uh, And he's the reason why this team is going to win. And like all the other comments that I made to you before. So let's go ahead and do this. Um, 
We like the fact that you've dictated to us what you're on. You are on the Rams. You're going to be backing the Rams in this game. I will tell you, just an update on the line. It's good to get a quick update uh, reset here on what the line has done. When I left to go to Los Angeles, the line was at four and a half pretty much everywhere. This line now is down to four pretty much everywhere. The lone exception for a brief flicker yesterday was that the line moved to three and a half at Caesars. And they apparently said that they were just looking to see what the appetite was for the Rams, wanted to take a little bit of Rams money. They were getting a lot of exposure. The public is still betting a lot on the Cincinnati Bengals here. And so they wanted to see that appetite. They then since moved back to four. Um, So the line is now pretty much across the board four everywhere. Um, They moved to four. Let's see. I'll just tell you this right now. They moved to three and a half at 1.22 a.m. on the 10th, which was yesterday, Thursday. Uh, They moved to four like uh, at 11.22 a.m. today. So it didn't last long, but they, they wanted a little bit of money back on the Rams to balance things out. Yeah. Let me ask um, for a quick explanation of that for, for somebody like, like me in the chair that I'm in, is there a difference between three and a half and four? So, I mean, obviously on a four, if it's 24 to 20, right. 28, no, I, 24, yes. you're going to push. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's a more key number than obviously five is, or than nine is. Right. So it does land more frequently. Um, And when the line is set for multiple weeks, right. And you've got, you had people that early on were laying three and a half on this game because that's what the line opened up at at most spots. And then it went to four. Then you had people that were laying the four. I mean, so the bottom line here is that if you laid a four and a half, and it is hard, like if you're recreational better, you don't know the timing of the market necessarily. So if you laid a four and a half, it was a bad move, right? Why? Well, because what's the difference between four and a half and five? Hardly anything, right? There's almost no difference between four and a half and a five. So why don't you just wait and see if it might go back to four? So the bottom line here was laying the four and a half was a mistake by anybody who was doing it. The odds that you could have gotten this three and a half that was sitting at Caesars pretty unlikely. So I wouldn't like feel bad if you laid four at some point and now the line switched to three and a half briefly, but we're recording this on Friday. This is still a lot of time for this line to move. There's still over 48 hours until the kickoff of this game. So maybe it does go down to three and a half at more spots. Um, so we'll just have to see where the money comes in and, and where the public is, is betting this thing because it's, it's to be determined exactly. We're going to start seeing a lot more of these, oh, here's this big bet. You know, here's a $2 million bet was bet on this. Here's a billion dollar bet was bet on that. But right now I'm seeing 63% of the tickets are being written on the Cincinnati Bengals and only 54% of the money is on the Bengals. And so what that means is that the majority of the mo- of the tickets are public that's on the Bengals. I'm not saying there's no sharp guys on the Bengals too. There are there there obviously are going to be, but for the cash to be almost ten percent less than the ticket percentage tells me that there's a good amount of sharp money that's backing the Rams here, that's not backing the Bengals, but a lot of the public, sixty three percent of the tickets on the on the Bengals. That's that's a pretty big split there. So. Well, if you're if you're in my chair and I have exposure to to the four, I did not. I I, I only played it at, at at four, and I'm playing mm-hmm. the Rams money line as well, and that's you know like minus one ninety five. Don't do. Did you place that bet? I will just encourage you. Do not place that bet yet if you haven't already on the Rams money line. Let's just see what happens here. Uh, we want to see what happens. I will tell you this. See, Caesars is doing some interesting things. We're good. We're doing a producer, Mike. I apologize, but this is good for the people out there. Caesars at 11.22 a.m. today was at minus 195 on the money line, which was relatively comparable with the rest of the market. They just moved within the last, since we got on air more or less, and they're down to minus 180 on the money line for oh, wow. the Rams, which is a pretty big move. That's a 15 cent move on the money line. 
I highly, now that's not different. They were actually at minus 180 on the 10th of February. So a few days ago, but they switched up and then switched down. But minus 180 is a good number. If we can get more of these other books, like some of the books out in Las Vegas that are sitting at minus 185 or some of the, you know, offshores or, or even the, the legal books in the U.S. that are sitting at like minus 190. Let's keep getting this Bengals money to come into the market. If you want to back the Rams, you might want to do it within the, the, an hour before kickoff. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. I've I've only the only way I've played the money line so far is in combination, is in parlay um with uh, okay. the under, because that's that's where my conviction really um resides and it's mainly on the under I've played under, um, 49 and I've also played, uh, under 48 and a half, but my real conviction is on the first half at 23 and a half. Now, when we were convened last week, I asked you, hopefully the total hasn't moved one tick. I haven't seen it move one bit off of 48 and a half at 23 and a half, which is where it was sitting last Friday. Have you seen any movement on the total side? I've not really, except for a couple of cents of movement towards the over. Uh, one of the sharper books is sitting juiced over minus 110. Now, that's a standard juice for most books, but this is a reduced juice shop. And so minus 110 from what they were before was a few cents moved towards the over. I do see another sharp book. I'm not going to mention his name sitting at 49, but by and large, we're sitting at 48 and a half across the board. It's not juiced either way, up or down. Um, and so once again, um, I would be looking to maybe hope and see if we can get some of the public to bet this thing more towards the over. I, I told you we're not going to get like the 24 and a half in the first half. We're not going to get the 25 that I know you were like pipe dream kind of hoping that we could maybe see what I doubt we even get back to 24 in the first half. If anything, I think that this total ticks up to 49 and maybe the, the first half goes 23 and a half and is juiced to the over. I highly doubt we will get back to 24 though. At this point, I could be pleasantly surprised though. And maybe we do that. That would be wonderful. And I'll look for it. I'll root for that. Uh, Valentine's day miracle, right? That would be a smooch <laughs> on the lips on the 13th. If I wake up that morning and, uh, we've gotten up to 24, but I, I'm content with the 23 and a half and everything that I've consumed over the course of the week tends to support the idea that these two teams will, will come in, um, especially some of the points you and Solak covered on Wednesday, the Bengals being an extraordinarily young team, a Bengals team without very much Super Bowl experience across the board, a first time participant in the Super Bowl in, in the form of coach Zach Taylor. Um, pl plus, you know, th th having to game plan for a defense, it's not lost on the Bengals that they're going up against a defense, the likes of which they haven't seen all season long. And so what does that counsel in favor of, especially with that vulnerable offensive line? Well, we need to keep Joe Burrow upright. The number one thing, the number one way for us to have any success at all in this game is to keep Joe, Joe Burrow standing behind the, the, the line and, and with the football. So let's try and, and get some of the heat off of him right away. This heat is for, for the purposes of the Bengals, unprecedented heat. They have not been confronted with pressure like this the entire NFL season. And honestly, I wonder if Joe Burrow himself over the course of his entire NFL career has been up against a team capable of bringing pressure in as physical and as, as, as uh, pace wise, as quickly as this Rams uh, defense. So all of those things to me suggest um, a, a first half, especially on the Bengals side of baby steps. Is there any reason to, to poke holes in that? No. And, and so I'm going to share a bet that I made on this element of it. Um, and 
then I'm going to get into some of your prop bets uh, for the game. But I'll go ahead and kick things off here first and foremost. And that was the Cincinnati Bengals' first drive to be a punt, which obviously goes right in line with what you're discussing here. And I will tell you this, like Solak mentioned, uh, me sending out some stuff and moving the odd screen, moving lines. I mean, we've been doing that all year. This is this is we're having that effect in the prop market too. But we've been we are the kings of doing that for the totals market, getting out ahead of line moves. We're moving the marketplace. That's why people subscribe to what we're doing over at Chart Football Analysis. That's why. I am giving given stages like this to discuss things because we know what the fuck we're talking about here. And we like to discuss and share some stuff with the public as well, um, which, by the way, I did get a nice comment in L.A. at one of the events that we had about, um, you know, us giving away some stuff and, and people betting on the stuff that we're discussing and having success with it. And they really enjoyed it. But Bengals first drive to be a punt. OK, shop around. Shop around. All I'm doing here is I went back to the same exact spot where I saw the line before when we took it and we gave it out and it sat at this number for at least three days before enough people started saying, hey, that's a fucking good idea that that Sharp came up with. And then they started talking about it and betting it themselves. And now the line has moved. We got it at minus 110 house. That's what, what you got it at. It's minus 145 right now. It might be different at other books. So again, it's the beauty of this thing. There, there's so many books in most states that that are legally available to bet. Look for different numbers. Why you should have a lot of accounts, but it just goes in line with everything that you said. But specifically, this first drive, the Bengals when they're playing away from home, seven punts, one fumble, one field goal, one touchdown in their ten first opening drives of the game. The touchdown came against the Detroit Lions, one of the worst teams in the NFL. That doesn't really count here. They're playing the Rams, top five. Run again, run past defenses. Um, the field goal came when they started to drive basically in field goal range because Matthew Stafford threw an interception. No, Ryan Tannehill. Believe me. I, it's, I'm sorry. It's right. I'll Ryan never Tannehill. forget it. Son of a gun. Yes. Yes. And then the Rams, their last seven games, opponent first drives, they have forced seven consecutive punts. So to have the punt at minus 110, um, was a little ridiculous in my opinion. I expect these teams both to come out um, and fill one another out a little bit. What I'm really interested to see is Lou and Arumo's defense and what their strategy is to start the game because they make some of the best and most creative third quarter adjustments, really catch opposing offenses off guard with some of the things that they try in that third quarter as the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes know all too well. But I want to see what they come out with to start the game. Like, do they have their A-game stuff here to try to confuse Matthew Stafford or does Stafford end up having success? So with that said, the plays in line kind of with what you're talking about, about the first half under the game starting slowly. And you can bet things like no score in the first five minutes, no score in the first six minutes, no score in the first seven and a half minutes. Like there's a variety of different books that have different numbers. Some books have all these numbers and the juice just changes as you go through. No score, no score, no score with the, you know, no score in the first three minutes is going to have a lot of juice associated with it that you're going to have to lay and no score in the first seven and a half minutes, you're going to get plus money on it. So it's fun to play that game, but let me hit you back now house. Give me a prop that you like. What of all the things we've sat here for two weeks now, our last show on last Friday, we weren't really talking props much. Um, it was a shorter show. I want to hear, I did. I asked Solak the same question. Um, hopefully you've organized it like this in some capacity, but what is your best prop for this game? What do you love the most right now? My, my best prop, my goodness. Well, I'll, I'll get there in, in a second, but I, I am interested in just completing the thought a little bit on this narrative, this beginning of game narrative, and especially the the um, first drive punt prop. And also, because I got down on this, the uh, I did six and a half minutes because that was the amount of juice I was willing to lay. Okay. Is there a price at which, if you believe that this is the script, is there a price at which you would not play these props that you would refuse to play these props like minus 145 there's a radical difference between that and minus 110 but it is does it lose any appeal to you at that price at minus 145 absolutely it does um here's why because i was able to lay minus 110 like a few days ago <laughs> right and so anytime something has moved uh 35 cents that is going to cause me some pause especially when it's something like this, where it's the outcome of the first drive. 
I, I think people don't understand. Let's pretend, um, I don't want to say people don't understand. This could be pretty obvious, but if I was basically given a surefire thing that I knew was going to happen, let's say, what is the first song that they're going to do at the halftime show? And the juice was like minus 200 for Lose Yourself. And I knew for a fact that it's going to be Lose Yourself and that juice moves up to minus 600. I don't give a fuck. I'm still laying minus 600 on Lose Yourself to be the first song because I know I've got information that says that this is what it's going to be. So I would be comfortable laying a ton of juice on something like that. When you're talking about the first drive being a punt, like the math shows, because you have to use math to come up with this. So the random person's not going to know, oh, is 135 a fair number? Is 145 a fair number? But there's math involved in determining the probability of something happened. Then you turn that probability into odds. And that's what the books do here when they're setting their odds. Um, and so I still think that there's value if you shop around and get it for something better than 145. I just personally... And biased against doing that because the price was so much better just a few days ago. And in fact, I don't even know because I didn't check. By the way, House, it's so painful when you're used to sitting in front of six monitors and having <laughs> a setup with a mouse and being able to do a lot of things. And then you go to some place where you only have one, uh, one small, tiny laptop monitor and you're using like a little ball on the computer to move a mouse around. Like it is so inefficient. Um, and at any rate, I don't know on the Wednesday show if it was still minus 145 when we were talking about it, or if it was minus, if it was closer to minus 110. But at any rate, most of the people that listened to the show probably got a better price than minus 145 because I've been talking about this thing for a little while now. Yeah. And I, I will not uh, ask you to share the anxiety of being in a jurisdiction where it's difficult to place bets, being out there in California. Um, we'll just move right on past <laughs> that. But I, I am the reason I asked that question is because somebody might be listening to this this afternoon and not have gotten down on this this prop uh, at minus one ten. And is there a price at which you know a, a person listening to this uh, for the first time saying, "Oh, right, I like that. I think these guys are onto something. Let me jump on that." What what price? You know, obviously they they should shop around if they have that opportunity. They may not be able. I'm to. going to only... I'm going to ask you for your prop, and I'm going to shop for these people. I'm going to help I them do it. their See, job while you're talking, and we'll try to find a better line for them. This is the best. I, uh, this is what we're doing out here for all the betting buddies. Okay, my favorite prop on the board, and this, uh, you know, apologies to everybody that listened to the Wednesday show, but it fits so perfectly in with the narrative. I got Joe Burrow pass attempts under 37 and a half at minus 115. I was able to grab that that price. and That was the, the Solak's yeah, top was. prop, yep. Yeah. Oh, it was his top one? Yeah, I asked him what is his favorite prop, and that's the first one that he said. God, well, then I double apologize, except for Ben Solak is a really smart guy with giant spreadsheets and data information and sits down and watches the All-22 uh, immediately after all the games end every Sunday. So I like being on the right side as Solak. Um, I, I feel like that prop fits my version of the game script, the narrative, the outcome the way that that I am uh, convinced this game is going to go the best. And um, I was happy that that 37 and a half was an option because many of the markets had it at like 36 and a half. Um, but the, 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 the reason that this is particularly compelling is because of the thing we touched on earlier. And we also touched on this last week, which is this Rams defense being unlike any defense that the Bengals have been up against all season long, the ability of this Rams defense to bring pressure that Joe Burrow um, is is not hasn't seen perhaps in his entire NFL career, and the goal and intention of Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati staff to keep Joe Burrow upright. They cannot be putting him in this bad spot. One thing that really um, uh, diminishes uh, uh, pass attempts is sacks. And we watched the Tennessee Titans just a couple of weeks ago have all kinds of success sacking poor Joe Burrow. The combination of the pressure and the sacks. Uh, it's also the case that that Burrow, 
this number is is right at the tippy top of his, of his attempts in in a generic sense anyhow so I, I I'm gonna just hug Ben Solak I mean I'm happy I sent him pie earlier in the year uh, it makes me feel better about jumping on, on on top of him I know that I'm a little bit bigger than him um, but I'm I'm gonna <laughs> ride along w- with my boy and and we're gonna eat pie and and love this under there you go okay so while you're thinking of your second favorite prop, um, I don't really have a strong opinion there. I don't disagree necessarily. I have not bet this either way. I would lean towards the under probably, um, but I have not made a, a point to bet that one. So while you were saying that, I was able to find you can get Cincinnati Bengals first drive to end in a punt at Caesars for minus 35, and it is still worth a bet at that number. And the one thing that's difficult if you're if you're trying to figure out where this shit is on these different books. Uh, if you just go to the popular props, this is like listed under the popular props. I don't know how you find it elsewhere, but first outcome of first drive punt minus 35. That is a good number to get on that one. I still see value at minus 35. Okay. Your second favorite prop house. What is the number two one that you like on this game? I'm playing sacks um, okay. because total sacks I- I- in the game gives me the opportunity for Cincinnati, who who has kind of an underrated uh, uh, pass rush at, at at times to bring some pressure. And I really only need one sack out of Cincinnati to hit the 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 um, total that I have. I have uh, total sacks for the game at four and a half. Now I had to lay some juice. To get that that four and a half, I had to um, lay minus one thirty five, but that means five total sacks, laying minus one thirty five. I I like Cincinnati getting one sack, and then I just need four out of the Rams. That's that's one per quarter. I like the way that math kind of plays out, so it fits my uh, my full on script, my full on narrative, every aspect of of how I think this game is going to go down. Um, so I'm, I'm just building really like a, a props tree that, that flows from, um, you know, the, at the, at the tippy point, the bright shining star is, is the Rams, um, to win this game, the Rams to cover and, and, and you know, the defense to be the reason. And then underneath of that, we're just going to have, we have branches that are these, these props that to support it. Yeah. Uh, the sack one is obviously something that's a popular narrative as to what we're going to see out of both these teams. I, I do think that the Bengals are able to get some pressure here when they want to, um, especially if they get Matthew Stafford holding on to the football a little bit with this drop eight coverage. And then, you know, normally when you're rushing three, you're not going to get a whole lot of pressure, but they do have a couple of underrated pass rushers there that, you know, might be able to get bother Matthew Stafford on occasion here. Um, and then obviously we know the Rams, what they do. I will say this, it, it will be a massive failure in my opinion. So I kind of mentioned this on the very first Wednesday show that we did previewing the Super Bowl. Um, it's such a blatant mismatch that Rams D-line, their ability to pressure compared to the Bengals O-line, that if if that ends up becoming the story of this game, shame on you, Zach Taylor, for not figuring out a game plan previously to the kickoff to figure out how to mitigate that in some capacity by getting the ball out quickly. That is something that is so obvious you've got to, you should have had a strategy to deal with that. I do want to mention also kind of the interesting thing that you said before I ask you for another prop. Um, you mentioned the heat. And I, I know some people I've heard, you know, I guess they give people a microphone. You can say whatever the fuck you want to say. And like, nobody, nobody like cares. Like it, who cares about being, trying to be right or doing your due diligence, just talk. But um, this, this stadium has a roof. It is not enclosed though. So, I mean, right. it's not hard. It takes a second to look at a picture of this stadium. It's completely open air all around the side. It's like they, they laid this like tent down on something that has open sides. So like, that's why when there was the lightning, they had to delay the game because like it is open to the air. I think they're calling for like mid eighties in terms of the temperature it would be because that will then get down onto the field. Like the, 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 the field is going to, it's not going to get the sun, right? Cause it, it, it blocks off some of that in the games at night anyways, but the temperature of the field is going to be like 85 degrees potentially um, because it's open air stadium. 
right? It's got a roof, but it's an open air stadium. It's very unique in that respect. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays into these defenses in the second half of this game. Well, and I was mainly talking about heat being brought on Matthew on on uh, on Burrow, but um, your your point about the actual weather, we you know we've been doing the weather at the top of all these shows, and and I'm I'm, I'm embarrassed that we didn't talk about how many Super Bowls have been played uh, under that. It will be that, the hottest. You know, this would be the hottest on record for that's, any. Super that's what Bowl. I thought I saw. Yep. And and so um, you know it it's only going to be three whatever when the game starts in in Los Angeles. Oh, so that's true. It, the sun's going to be out. The sun's going to be out for a little that's while. True. The sun, the sun uh, will so absolutely be out. But, um, you know, this, the, the, there is like a, a roof on this. Now the sun will be coming through that roof, but it is, it is breaking it up to some extent. Like it's not going to be, it doesn't feel the same as if you were standing down in Miami and in direct sunlight on that opposing sideline that Miami loves to stick their opponents on. And the heat, the sun is just like bearing straight down on you. Um, it'll be, it could play a little bit of havoc with the shadows. I don't know, potentially, um, if it is a sunny day, we'll have to see, uh, if it, if it, it's definitely been hot and sunny out there. I've, I've enjoyed that element of being here in LA, but, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what this temperature actually is on game day, but it has the potential to be the warmest Super Bowl on record. I want to hit some of these props so that I, I can go down to Miami and I'm not standing on the sidelines. I'm going to the beach um, with, with some of these winnings. But give me another let, one. I, I'm I'm on, and this this fits um, everything we've been talking about. I'm not sure if either of you guys bit down hard on this. Uh, I know you covered it with with Ben on on Wednesday. The the Mixon uh, rushing yard prop. Um, I know something. Uh, you guys uh, chatted about it. 62 and a half um, is the number that I was able to get at minus 105, which I thought was a good price. And I'm I'm on the over for that because, um, you know, all, all of the reasons that we're talking about here and especially what you just hit in terms of, uh, hey, Zach Taylor, you better game plan for this uh, uh, Rams pressure. One of the ways right out of the box that, that should be, um, you know, a, a way to put, put, poke a tiny uh, prick into the, into that, that balloon is to um, just let Joe Mixon touch the ball a few times. Do you, have you arrived upon a firm conviction as it pertains to Mr. Mixon? I actually, unfortunately, I'm going to be going against you on that one. I think it's, I want to call it a okay. firm conviction. Here's my main concern with the Mixon prop. What's beautiful about the Mixon prop, unlike the Rams running backs props, are Mixon is the bell cow, right? You don't have to worry about that. Samaje is going to come in in the second half of these games or, or in third down situations and do some passing down work, that type of thing. He's not going to be stealing early down rushing carries from Joe Mixon, barring injury, which we obviously can't expect that to happen for a game like this. My concern, though, is, is, is twofold. Number one, the Bengals have shifted a little bit more to the pass I don't know if that's going to continue, but it very well might. You very well might. Second concern, they have not faced very many good run defenses. They've played three teams, the Cincinnati Bengals, all year that ranked top 12 in run defense. The Ravens twice, the Raiders twice, and the 49ers. Against the Ravens, on early down runs in the first three quarters, this is what Joe Mixon does, right? The early down runs in the first three quarters. Then if they're up, they'll run it in the fourth. If they're not up, they won't. You think the Rams might win. Thus, you don't think the Bengals will be up in the fourth. They may have to throw the ball a little bit more. So that's why we're focusing first three quarters specifically. 2.4 yards per carry, 30% success, minus 0.19 EPA per attempt against the Ravens in their first game. Against the Ravens in their second game, these early down runs, first three quarters, minus 0.07 EPA per attempt, four yards per carry, 33% success. They couldn't run on the Baltimore Ravens, so they had to resort a little bit more to the pass. Okay, that was a little while ago. Though. Let's focus on what they've done of late. Well, we know that they played the Raiders. Well, the Raiders, the first go-round, they only averaged 3.8 yards per carry and negative 0.09 EPA per attempt. So then they played the Raiders again in the playoffs just a few weeks ago. They shifted a little bit more to a more balanced approach. They strayed from being too run heavy, only four yards a carry, minus 0.06 EPA per attempt. And then against the 49ers, 
This team, negative 0.18 EPA per attempt, 2.7 yards per carry. Bottom line, in five games against top 12 run defenses, early on running back runs, 71 of these. So we're, that's a good sample size. 71 of these, 3.5 yards per carry, minus 0.12 EPA per attempt, and a 42% success rate in the course of the entire game, even if you, even if you include the fourth quarter to try to build up your sample size here to 115 rushing attempts. Only 3.7 yards per carry and minus 0.10 EPA per attempt. Um, they could not run the football there. They could not run the football against these teams. Uh, now they're going up against the Rams, who have the NFL's number four ranked run defense. The only team that they played who had a better run defense was the 49ers. And that was like when they averaged 2.7 yards per carry on these plays. So it's just going to take, in my opinion, Either you get lucky and you break one, which absolutely could happen, and you break one of these runs and you have some success with that, or you're going to need a lead. You're going to need that, those fourth quarter carries. You're going to need some help here. But what was the number that you got? 62 and a half? 62 and a half, yeah. Okay, so if you divide 62 and a half by 3.7 yards per carry, you're looking at you need 17 rushing attempts in order to hit this number, which I actually think his rushing attempts prop is 16 and a half. So, you know, the books appropriately are expecting him to not have a lot of success running the football, but that he's just going to run it 17 plus times here. And again, that could happen. But if he's running the ball, I'll just say this. If he's running the ball and only averaging 3.7 yards per carry, A, Zach Taylor needs to be throwing the ball more. B, if they aren't throwing the ball more, then they're probably going to be losing if they're running the ball a fair amount and he's only giving them 3.7 yards per carry. Yep. That all makes sense to me. Um, well, I, I, I have other stuff. Hit out me there, a new one. Hit me a new one. I, 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 I jumped on board with Stafford having more pass attempts. Uh, I, I, we talked about uh, the Rams in Cincinnati. Will they score in the first six and a half minutes? I say no. That's all minus one twenty-five. I like six and a half minutes. That that's that's um, I was that about three drives ish uh, total. Um, so yep. I, I I like the way that lines up. Um, the T Higgins longest reception over twenty-four and a half. I, I jumped on that one. Um, I did something really stupid. I'm I'm fully prepared to accept uh, criticism, but this is just for fun. This was looking okay. for something that fits m my eye. 120 to one odds of an exact score. And okay. I play, cause we, I like, there's really no reason ever to try and play exact score. Um, but we're trying to have fun. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm, don't, I, 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 I was going to interrupt just to say, I'm not disagreeing. I was just in, going to interrupt to say, they don't give these props very often. Mm -hmm. Fucking have a ball with it. It's the right. damn Super Bowl. We're ending the season. Look, all I can say is this. If you've been listening to our show or if you've been following along with the stuff that I'm giving out at Sharp Football, we're up big for the season. I mean, hit 60% this year, even better on totals. Like, we've had a great playoffs, the bowl season, eight and one. Like, we've been destroying the book this year. You don't take all this, everything that you made on the football season and just put it on the Super Bowl, right? That's That would be totally stupid, okay? Take a big chunk of your money that you made betting sports, betting football, following us this year, and fucking enjoy that money, right? Do other things with it. But set aside what money you want to bet on this game and fucking bet on some fun things, like bet on stuff that you normally wouldn't. It's just fun. Be prepared to lose that. It's like, let me just put it this way, House. It's like the cost of admission to going to the game. It's your entertainment to go to the game. If you're not paying the $3,000, the tickets were six. Now they're down to three and a half, the 3,500, something like that. If you're not going to the game, spending that money. Like put some money on the game that you want to enjoy the game. It can't be money that you, you know, now we can't pay my mortgage next month, stuff like that. But go ahead and bet on some fun things that you normally wouldn't or, or crazy things that just, you know, allow you to have a little bit of entertainment. And if you lose it, oh, well, like fucking, oh, well, it's, 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 it's long odds. Um, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm at the Super Bowl, I bought a bunch of clothes to bring back home, right? To my kids and my my wife. And I spent way more than I anticipated. I'm talking like 1500 bucks on just like stuff at the shop, right? Buying footballs and jerseys and all types of other things. And then, you know what I decided to do? I was like, 
I don't have a place to get this back home. I'm just going to fucking use the FedEx thing right next to, they have it set up there and I'm going to ship it. You know how much it costs to overnight? Like, Oh, I don't even ask. Beer and footballs and all this type of shit, like 350 bucks. <laughs> so I spent that too. Uh, so I'm, I'm like two dimes deep on just like bringing back shitloads of memorabilia for my family and I to enjoy. But you know what? It's the, it's the Super Bowl. Who gives a shit? So anyways, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to get on you for All like right, good. any you. type of these long shot props. Have a ball. But what score do you think it's going to be? 31-17. I have the Rams winning 31-17. That gets me to my under on the total. I can do a narrative for the under on the first half as well. There's two field goals in there. I want. I like this, these field goals. I like McPherson with some, you know, he, McPherson gets a field goal. Matt Gay gets a field goal. Um, so that, that, that's how I have it lined up on that stupid, crazy prop. All right. So everybody at home, if this thing's getting close to 3117, I want you tweeting at Joe house. I want you increasing his excitement, his enthusiasm, uh, and we'll definitely all be rooting him in. Give me another one. You got, I'm sure you got more. You're degening the shit out of these. I can guarantee it. And you know what? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be doing a little bit of that myself. Uh, you know, probably tomorrow I'm going to be, I'm, I'm placing some, some, some sharp stuff, some stuff that I think has a ton of value. And then of course I'm going to be building out some, some, uh, same game parlays to, to win MVPs and things of that nature. So, so obviously I'm on a couple of the first touchdown in the game props. I did both, um, T Higgins and Odell Beckham. Um, you know, I was looking for secondary or third level receivers because I think, you know, Jamar and Cooper are going to be covered up, you know, decently at the beginning. So just looking for as, as, as the quarterbacks go through their progressions and find guys. And, and we like the upward momentum behind uh, uh, Odell, especially lately. So, um, you know, the, 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 that, that one I got at, I think like eight to one, I got T Higgins at, at, at 10 to one. Um, the other uh, thing that I, I jumped on um, just, just for, again, for fun, First quarter field goal, yes, uh, plus money for both uh, Matt Gay and and uh, Money McPherson, plus two hundred for for Gay, plus two ten for McPherson, um, and the last one I I went ahead and joined you guys on the Joe Burrow under in terms of rushing yards. I got that same number of eleven and a half. I got it at even money. Um, we know what we saw a couple of weeks ago with Joe Burrow scampering around and and managing to avoid some pressure and and you know pull down a crucial first down against the Chiefs with his legs. But in view of the the perspective I, we all share on the pressure that the Rams are going to bring, and especially the the jeopardy that we don't want Joe Burrow to put himself into by running. If he does run, he does get past the line of scrimmage it's important for him to get down. So I liked getting uh, under that 11 and a half in the same way that you guys did. Yep. Uh, and the field goal prop makes a lot of sense. I, I likewise took, I took a prop. Uh, will the Bengals kick a field goal in the first half? Will they make a field goal in the first half? So actually it's key to give the delineation or to the distinction rather. I did not bet an attempt. I bet a make. So obviously they have to make it, Yeah, but I don't disagree with that. The rushing yards one, I think is, is, is good too. Um, that has been a sharp one that I've seen come in. I also like the longest rushing attempt under that's, that's another way that you can bet that one. Um, so you can bet, will they, will he rush for over 11 and a half and will he rut, will his longest rush be over eight and a half? So that's something interesting that you can bet as well. Um, so I, I no no real disagreement for me on some of those. Um, anything else that you want to that, share? Well, that's that's the full card. Okay. I mean, that's the whole card. So we're, gonna, we're definitely going to be we're so definitely going to be splashing a few more out there. Um, here's one. Here's an interesting idea for you guys at home. I don't know if I'm officially going to get on this or not, but just like uh, a thought out there is, I like Cam Akers, right? Like I, I think. Everybody, this is massively contrarian because everybody thinks that Cam Akers sucks because of what he's done the last few weeks. And now Sean McVay is talking about using Daryl Henderson and, and how this could be a problem and, um, you know, the eat into the timeshare. And so for those reasons, like I initially, maybe Sean McVay's blowing smoke and he's not going to use Daryl Henderson. He's just trying to get the Bengals to start game planning for something else. But 
this defense is so good at like, I think they're going to be dropping back. I think they're going to be trying to prevent quick scores. I think that they're going to be using this drop bait to try to frustrate Matthew Stafford. I think there's going to be opportunity to run the football here a little bit for the Los Angeles Rams. And I think that Cam Akers is getting a little bit underappreciated here. I think he's getting too much trash talked about him all Super Bowl week. It's primarily because the reason that he has struggled is not because he stinks. It's not because he can't run the football. To me, the reason that Cam Akers has struggled is because this team has faced a brutal schedule of run defenses. Just go look at Sony Michelle. Tell me, oh, do you love Sony Michelle? How he's run the football the last few weeks? Why is the only guy that we're talking about Cam Akers and how bad he is? This team has played the number one, number nine, number 14, number one, and number four run defenses in their last five games. I know Solak said he'd argue with me about the Arizona Cardinals run defense at ranking number 14. That is what, what it is. So be it if he thinks that they're a little bit worse, we're still talking about four top 10 run defenses in the last five weeks. Naturally, Cam Akers not going to look quite as good against that, and neither did Sony Michelle. Now we're playing the number 32 run defense of the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not number 32 by your standard rankings. I don't know. People like to look at uh, a lot of different rankings out there. They might look at DVOA from football outsiders or just general EPA, all runs on all games, or they might look at the full season. Uh, slice and dice it however they want to potentially. The way that I sliced and diced it to find out that they were number 32 is I looked at every game since week eight, the back half of the season, plus the playoffs. What do they do on early down running back runs? You know, that's really where we're going to see the runs coming from. The LA Rams is going to be on these early down plays. They're going to let Matthew Stafford throw it most of the time on third down. So let's get rid of those. Um, and I will just say this, they're number 32. And as a result, I think Cam Akers have some upside, but here's the thing. How many times he's going to carry the football because of this committee type approach? That's speculation. You could roll the dice and go over his rushing yards. There's another way that you can play it, though, and it could be of interest. And this is one of the things I'm looking at because, again, I'm not sure about this committee approach. That's what's great about the Super Bowl, although they have these lines up for all the guys. Um, but Cam Akers' longest rushing attempt, I think it's like 13 and a half, right? It's going to be hard to envision that he's going to have the volume to just hit six and seven yard runs and do that enough to get over uh, a number that he's currently lined at. But without getting at least one run, that's a chunk run of like 14, 15 yards. And so maybe you just want to bet on the fact that maybe he doesn't have a shitload of volume, but this run defense is so bad, he'll have the chance to get a longest rushing attempt. So that's one to look at. I'm, I'm interested in that one. Um, well house, you know, all I can say is this, it's been a blast doing this with you. I will be pulling unless I decide to bet the bangles, which I don't think I will be. Um, I'll be pulling for you to win your bets on the Rams. I'll be pulling for an exact final score of 31 to 17. Um, because then you'll be taking your trip down to Miami and enjoying the sun. Yeah, I'll have my shirt. Yeah, off. You're gonna you're gonna be scaring all the tourists down there. Uh, but you're gonna be having a blast, and that's what it should come down to. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you, it just matters are you living your best life? And that's what we're hoping that we're all gonna be doing on Sunday. Any final words for your betting buddies here as we sign off for the final show of the season? We, we did the very best we could this season to let everybody live their best betting life. And, and Sharpie, don't, don't be surprised if I try and invite myself here on the Ringer Gambling Show as the year progresses. I know the draft will be coming up. You'll be jumping into that market pretty heavy every year. You spend a bunch of time with your team on, on yep. you know, who's going to go where and how many of these, you know, how many running backs and how many. So I, I might find my way into some of that uh, conversation as well. And then once the futures drop um, for the teams, I know you'll be working hard on your book as those futures come in into, into line. But I, I, I uh, very much like playing the futures and I use your book as, as a as a guidepost for it. So uh, looking forward to invite myself into some of that as well. We definitely are going to have plenty more of these episodes over the course of the off season before we get ready to the NFL season. So you guys have that to look forward to. Uh, also, one other thing, House, you know, I messaged with Simmons. I didn't get to meet up with him. Uh, he's busy in LA. So I didn't meet up with him at that point. However, 
he may be paying out my bet. We had a, a gentleman's bet on a Patriots Bills game earlier this season, which he lost. And as a result, he owes me dinner. And so I think he's going to come to DC. So he says, and pay it back with in the form of a meal with you and me and him. Um, So maybe when the weather warms up enough that we can sit outdoors uh, you can pick the spot and uh, and and we can have a a, a meal together. So we three, can look forward to that as well. The Three Kings dinner. I can't wait. Let's let's do <laughs> this. What a 2022 is all coming together, buddy. It's coming together. And guys, I cannot look forward to the Super Bowl enough. I'm really looking forward to that. I hope you guys are as well. I hope you have good luck in all of your bets and that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Joe House for joining me all season long. And to Mike Wargon and Craig Holbrecht for producing the show all season long. The Ringer Gambling Show continues with Olympic shows. And we're going to be getting into college basketball shows as well next week. We'll have this draft content coming up that House teased as well. So keep listening. Thank you for listening. And good luck this weekend.